0: I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 28 of Red Sin. Chapter 28, Julia.
1: Still under the spray, I stilled as the bathroom door opened wide and Van appeared through the steam-covered glass stall. My hands crisscrossed my nakedness. Van. A smile filled his expression as he slid the glass door open. Reaching through the steam, he seized each of my hands. What do you think you're hiding? The tenor of his voice rumbled through me as I relaxed my arms. It's a reflex. His green orbs simmered as he scanned from the top of my head to my toes. Even under the warm spray, my flesh peppered with goosebumps. His large finger came to the hickey upon my left breast, gently running over the bruise in small circles. I should leave more, he said, his eyes focused on the mark. I reached for his hand. Why are you here? To see you. Confirm you're real, and to remind me how fucking fortunate I was to find you. Taking a breath, he pulled his attention away from my breast to my eyes. What did you learn when you turned on your phone? I looked up at the shower spray and back. Can this wait? I wish. If it could, I'd step inside this stall right now. What's happening? Your parents are on their way. They stayed in Ashland last night. The joy I'd gotten from his decorated cabin for the holiday abandoned me, disappearing into the steam like a balloon losing air. Did you invite them here? He nodded. Why? Rinse. He reached for one of the plush towels and get out. His grin returned. I'm pretty sure that meeting my future in-laws with their daughter naked and wearing my mark on her left breast and another on her right ass cheek won't be the best first impression. My ass cheek? What? I twisted one way and the other, trying to see what was hidden. Then his other words came through. His future in-laws. The thought of this impending meeting sent a feeling of dread through my circulation. I reached for the tile wall as Van took a step back and closed the glass door. I waited for him to leave the bathroom, but he didn't, leaning against the long vanity and crossing his arms over his wide chest. Are you going to give me a minute? I asked. No, I'm going to enjoy the show. Strip for me, beautiful. The memory of that command twisted my core as I stepped back under the central spray, rinsing the conditioner from my hair. Of course, I was already bare, so stripping wasn't an issue. Instead, I rinsed, knowing his eyes were on me, watching as I ran my own palms over my skin. It was his touch I felt on my breasts, and his touch as my hands lowered. Once the water was off, Van returned, towel in hand. How far away are they, I asked as I took the towel. You have time to dry and dress. I shook my head, I don't want to see them. His large hands framed my face. Julia, it may not seem like it. There's a lot I don't know about you and your parents, but I'm willing to learn. What I do know is that you are in control. It's never felt that way. I can't answer why you have felt the way you have. He turned us until we were standing before the large mirror. Despite my wet hair, I leaned back against his solid chest. The droplets from my hair dripped down my shoulders onto his thermal shirt, his boots, and the floor. The plush towel was wrapped around my breasts and hung to my thighs. Taller and wider, Van could be seen behind me, still dressed as he'd been in the cabin. The scent of the burning fire lingered in the fibers of his clothes. His jaw was covered with a day of beard growth, and his dark hair was wavy and unkempt from his sleep and his orange hat. Do you know what I see? Van asked. A drowned rat? His deep laugh filled the bathroom. No, I see a strong woman. That's not what my parents see. They see their child. That's what they'll always see. He lifted my wet hair and brought his lips to my neck. Such as lightning striking the surface of the earth, the energy of his kiss penetrated my skin, infiltrating my circulation and racing through my nervous system. Closing my eyes, I tilted my head, giving Van more access. The only person who can change your parents' perception of you is you. I spun and wrapped my arms around his torso. I'm afraid they'll break our snow globe. Van shook his head. Our globe is unbreakable. The definitiveness of his statement gave me strength. I'm an adult. You definitely are. I nodded. Let me get dressed. I'll come down as fast as I can. Julia, I'm here for you. I could easily have handled this on the phone and forbade their coming to the house. I thought about it. He leaned down until his forehead met mine. I have no problem being assertive. Truth be told, I have more trouble not being. Our eyes met. My assertiveness won't facilitate what you want. What do I want? To be seen as a capable adult in your parents' eyes. I inhaled, knowing he was right. To achieve that outcome, you need to assert yourself. Show them that you can make your own decisions, and let them know that you're aware of the consequences of those choices. I told them that you found me, that you saved me in the snowstorm. They said you're a rebound. You aren't. Van nodded. I know what I am. If I were your father instead of your fiancé, I wouldn't trust me. Don't get upset that they're leery. It only means that they care. He kissed the top of my head. I'm not sure I trust them. What do you mean? Wade was going down. How could your parents not know? I'd never thought of that. As Van turned to leave, I called out his name. He turned back. If you were my father, I asked, and I came downstairs wearing a man's shirt. Only his shirt, from a man I'd recently met and announced as my fiancé. What would you do? His grin returned, bringing gold shimmers to his green orbs. I'd kill him. I'm serious, so am I. I don't mean mortally wound, I mean that I'd ruin him. I won't do it. I won't wear your shirt. Your dad can't ruin me. That's the difference. I could ruin him. But you won't, I said, wanting the reassurance. I'll do whatever you want, Julia. As I've said, my only connection or care for Wade Pharmaceutical is you. They're my parents. He nodded. Hurry, beautiful. They're on their way. Standing in the large closet, I debated my few pieces of clothing. With my hair mostly dried and hanging over my shoulders, and a minimal amount of makeup, I ran my fingers over the few pieces of clothes I had at my disposal. I could wear the outfit I'd worn to the interview, or dress less formally and more laid back. As I took in the soft sweaters, I decided for casual. After all, this was Christmas Day, and I was home. Isn't that what Van wants me to think? He'd said that he'd like me to refer to his home as mine. He'd said as his fiance, nothing was off limits. Slipping on my heeled black boots, I took one more look in the mirror before leaving my suite. My soft black slacks and black tank top were covered with a long pink sweater. My hair was again piled on my head. Standing at the top of the staircase, I peered through the large window over the front door, wondering if my parents had arrived. From the limited view of trees and sky, it was impossible to know for sure. There were no voices below. A final destination called to me, a new curious thought. I peeked down the hallway toward Van's suite. The double doors were closed. As my heart rate picked up its pace, I walked up the steps to the third floor. My heartbeat thumped against my chest as I twisted the doorknob to the one door at the top of the stairs. To my surprise, the door opened inward. With only the waning light from the windows, I saw what Van had described, nothing. The large third floor room was empty with two closed doors. I went to one and opened it. The door led to a small bathroom, that too was empty. The fixtures were present, but there were no towels or paper products. Back out into the large open space, I opened the second door and stepped into what was a small room, a closet without clothes racks or shelves. Flipping the switch within, I stared. Against the wall was a leaning stack of framed artwork. Apprehensively, I went closer, taking in the piece facing the door. I didn't recognize the artist's name, but the picture seemed familiar. One by one, I moved the frames, taking in each piece. The artist's names were different, and some I'd heard before. All of the artwork was striking, Why is it hidden away in an empty space? Suddenly, my thoughts went back to my parents impending visit. Stepping back into the empty room, I turned off the light and closed the door to the artwork, deciding that while I could eliminate one unknown about Van from my list, the emptiness of the third floor room, I'd also added more questions. As I came to the top of the staircase, going down to the main level, my pulse drummed in my ears as the reverberating sound of the piano floated to the level above. I held my breath as the rich notes resonated through the entry. Quietly, I made my way down the stairs, stopping on the bottom step and holding tightly to the banister. Closing my eyes, I listened to the melancholy melody as each note struck a string within my heart. If this were a movie, the chosen soundtrack would give me an ominous feel leading into our planned meeting. Walking softly, I entered the living room. The sun beyond the windows had begun to sink below the horizon. Despite the relatively early hour, darkness was about to fall. A fire roared within the large hearth, and the aroma of Mrs. Mahan's holiday meal could be smelled from the kitchen. Van's eyes were closed as his fingers ran over the keys. It was as if he had a sixth sense, feeling the piano instead of seeing it. His hands worked independently from one another as his toes pressed the appropriate pedals and his wide shoulders and torso swayed with the beat. The mountain man clothes from before were replaced by casual wear. Faded blue jeans, canvas loafers, and a long-sleeved button-up with his sleeves rolled to his elbows. His damp, dark hair and clean-shaven jaw told me that he'd showered after coming into my bathroom. The melody slowed as his eyes opened. His expression, that only seconds before seemed sad, morphed before my eyes as his green stare met mine. That was beautiful, I said, walking up to the large piano. Please don't stop. I like when you say that, not to stop. He tilted his head to the side, indicating the bench beside him. Standing at his side, I ran my palm over his smooth cheek. You know, if you were going to shower, you could have joined me. We'd still be up there. There's always later tonight. Sitting where he'd indicated, I peered up at his protruding brow. Are you worried about this meeting? Why do you ask? You said you haven't played the piano in a while, and that song was ominous. I haven't played. He spun, pulling one leg over the bench and tugging me between his legs. I seem to mostly remember morose melodies. I should brush up on some happier songs. When did you say you stopped playing? He shrugged, I don't think I said. When I didn't speak, he answered, it was before Brooklyn was born. Have you tried to speak to your brother? He shook his head, let's concentrate on one family at a time. I'll get a notification when your parents pass the gate. Did you close it? No, it's electronically monitored. I didn't have my phone turned on at the cabin, and there's no Wi-Fi out there. That's why last night I didn't realize the barrier had been breached. My chest pushed against my sweater as I inhaled. I want them to come and go so we can be just us. Van's large hands roamed up and down my arms, finding my skin beneath the large openings of the sweater cuffs. I would tell your parents to leave and keep you hidden if I could. My forehead fell to his wide chest. I would like that. His chest inflated as his expression became unreadable. Hidden away for only me. His grasp of my waist tightened. My private obsession. He shook his head. That wouldn't be right. You'd retaliate. Van? I looked up as his stare reached deep inside me. I've done some bad things, Van said. I want everything to be different with you, Julia. I won't hide you from your family. But if you ever want me to intervene, I will. You say the word. He left a kiss on my hair. You think I'm old. I didn't say his finger came to my lips. I'm not, but I've screwed up enough to know what's right and what isn't. For this to work, for us to work, he clarified. You have to be an active partner. A smile curled my lips. I tried at the cabin. You did great. I don't mean just with sex. I mean, for your parents to believe this, what's happening between you and me, is real. They need to hear it from you. They have no reason to trust me, and probably many reasons not to trust me. They trust you. I inhaled and straightened my neck, feeling the weight of the responsibility I'd failed to accept, that I'd avoided taking, and that Van was presenting to me. He was right. For too long, I'd been willing to let others speak for me. Whether it was my mother, father, or Skyler, I allowed it. Van wasn't saying he'd abandon me. He was saying that I needed to use my voice. It was the encouragement I'd never before had. You're right, I admitted. If you want me to step in, let me know. They need to hear it from me. His warm touch skirted my arms. What are you going to say? I'll tell them the truth. You and I are engaged. I'm going to marry you. The date isn't set, but I've said yes. And as for Wade, you will help. I'll do what you want. He looked down at his watch. Someone has crossed the gate line.
0: The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin Series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig. And read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.